Welcome to episode 16 of season four of Whole Lot of Wolves. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. I'm Paul LePage. Back in action, our great producer, Mr. Alex Patakis. How's it going, Alex? It's all right. Nice to see you guys. Yeah, yeah. And in Baltimore, our social media extraordinaire, Mr. Danny Paletti. How's it going, Danny? Eh, I've had better. <laughs> eh, eh, eh. Um, well, look, guys, I feel like we could just put this on repeat. Fucked over again by VAR. <laughs> That's ultimately what it is. Um, and don't take my word for it. Take the referee who flat out told Gary O'Neill, whoops, sorry. <laughs> don't know why they didn't have me go look at that. Just absolutely absurd. We'll get into all that, Paul. Just opening comments on that game. So from the get-go, quite pleased in, in terms of the lineup that it wasn't too much disruption given that Dawson uh, was suspended. So Bueno came in, so you, you had some confidence that there was familiarity with the shape and obviously there was certainly time to, to plan for that as well given the the international break. So as as far as that begun, I, w- I was quite satisfied and, and thought on paper certainly we had the the better of the team, the, the better of the two teams. And I think one thing for me, which was noticeable on, on our side of the, the commentary in the, the, the pre-match certainly was, uh, well, uh, Fulham are notoriously slow starters. And if you can get at them or um, if you can take the initiative, then you have a really good chance. And lo and behold, it was actually the other way around and it wasn't us jumping out of the blocks the quickest, it was them and consequently going uh, a goal down again early, which uh, seems to be indicating somewhat of a pattern. I'm not sure about the the early nature of the goals, but we're certainly turning into a team that's having to claw itself, try and claw itself back from uh, going a goal or two down um, in games repeatedly at the moment. I almost feel like we're the U.S. national team under uh, Bob Bradley, where it was like, I give up the only girl, only <laughs> the early goal, then we'll wake up. Just kind of frustrating. Well, starting off here, it was, uh, you know, only one change, but a fairly significant one, Paul, and that was Dawson was out. I haven't heard if it was an injury, but he wasn't in the squad at all. And we got a chance to see Santiago Bueno. Was he bueno or no bueno? Um, I think he, he'll have had better debuts, pretty much. And I think any uh, any debut like that is tricky for someone coming in, and because just that one player coming out shifts the whole dynamic of that backline. So it was not just him coming in, but it meant that Kilman was moving across and. Those subtle tweaks, especially when you had had a fairly uh, tightly knit collection of defenders there and the understanding with the goalkeeper and everything, that can have somewhat of a a domino effect. And I think that was in play for the first goal. Yeah, Danny, I I was having a hard time judging it. I mean, I feel bad for the guy because he hasn't played in forever and making a start. Um, and it just seemed like he really came out slow. Then he had some good moments, and then it went back to yikes. I mean, overall, what would you give him? 
Yeah, I think. Well, first of all, uh, Dawson was out just as a reminder for. Uh, oh, that's right. For the accumulation yeah, of yellow cards. Um, that's right. And I was I was sort of um, sort of anticipating his uh, his coming into the team. I was kind of excited for it because, um, you know, it, I know it was a bit of a last minute thing, but. But I think like when he came in, people were a bit excited about about his potential. And he, he's played a good number of games in La Liga. Um, he's he's really a fairly experienced center back, although he's only, I think, 25. So he's on the younger side for his position. Um, and I, I agree that I think, you know, he took some time to settle into it. Um, and after that, he looked OK. I think the way I ended up seeing it through the haze of my var induced rage <laughs> was that um you know he comes in he's much more of like a right-sided Tony Gomez and so you're kind of asking Kilman to be you know to play the Craig Dawson role and we know that for one reason or another Kilman isn't quite that uh we've we've tried to have Kilman play that exact role and he he doesn't quite get it uh he does other good things um and so you know I, I see it as sort of a a fairly a somewhat positive first debut like a first outing for him and for that back three which i don't know i hope that we actually see santi come in more frequently in the future not necessarily for quite craig dawson but i think like having that depth at center back is going to be important and he looks certainly capable of at least playing like a similar role to toady so and paul that defense really cracked early on giving up the early goal um you know is this bothersome now to see like this kind of keeps happening with their bad early goals to give up too yeah well it, it, like is it a concentration thing or is it the instructions of of the the coaches to say you know go out there and keep it tight and don't let any mistakes happen, but then all of a sudden they do. Whereas I'm probably naively want us to be that team that's banged straight out on the front foot and attack the opponents and for us to be pushing for that first goal. I'm not sure whether there's a reservation that that makes us more susceptible to the counter if we're taking the initiative. So is it an over element of, of cautiousness that we, we we're not so hot starting ourselves i'm not sure but it, it would be nice to to flip that script that's for sure alex though did you have any doubt that wolves could uh come back from that deficit no and that's actually you know a, kind of a new feeling yeah right <laughs> you know? I, I mean they score in almost every game so it's weird to have an early goal that they concede not feel like it's so damning to them um you know, in full transparency, I uh, doubled down on them winning uh, on DraftKings once they allowed that goal and got better odds because I thought I heard oh, they yeah, were plus six hundred at that point. Yeah, um, exactly. So, <laughs> um, I I was confident they would get another goal, and I felt like once they got it back to uh, one one, that they would go on and just kind of control the game and and, and go on from there. Um, similar to what they did against Spurs, honestly, but. Um, you know, VAR had other ideas, so. Um, Paul, significant injury pretty early on. Uh, Aiton went down, kind of a nasty ankle injury. 
the commentators were talking about how the playing surface was different once you were outside the lines. I can't imagine he's going to – I mean, this that looked to me like a couple-week injury. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's got your um, – got the hallmarks of uh, of a bad sprain, I think, and uh, probably a tweak, a tweak of a ligament in there. Mm-hmm. Danny, why do you think they decided to go with Doc and bring him in at left wing back, which isn't his natural side, when yeah. you've just – given a big contract extension to Hugo Bueno. Yeah, I I struggle to understand it. It's funny, at the time, I was just like, oh, I guess Hugo Bueno uh, is still injured. I guess he's not on the bench. And then I went back to look at it and saw that he was indeed on the bench and, <laughs> and available. So I'm only left with the uh, options that either Hugo Bueno is not fully fit yet, and they didn't want him to have to play. Because Aitnori came off fairly early. Didn't fairly want to early, have- yeah. Didn't want him to have to play all those minutes, although I haven't really heard anything to that effect. My understanding was that he was basically back um, or Gary O'Neill actually thought that Doherty would give us um, something on that side. But I, I have to say I was I was nervous the whole time. I like Doherty a lot, but I think for him at this stage, I, I prefer for him to come on for Semedo when we when we need him to because he offers a threat in the box and it's clear that he cannot do that on the left side. And we know that he's not uh, a monster of a, of a defender. So like, it just felt like we, we well, it depends so on your definition much. of a monster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a very odd decision and I'm, I'm very interested if we'll, I mean, it's going to get drowned out in all the other drama, but I, I'm interested if we'll see anything about, about that, especially with Hugo Bueno, because I would I would have liked to see him. Well, and it was interesting too, Alex, because there were points, especially early in the second half, where Doc didn't move to the right side and Semedo to the left, and then five minutes later they've switched again. So I don't really know what was going on there. Yeah, I, I don't either. I I thought that the eight Nori injury was actually really significant and probably more mm-hmm. significant than it'll end up uh, being remembered as because of all the decisions that came late in the game i mean um you know while i was confident in wolves going down and getting an equalizer and then possibly going on to win the game they didn't quite move the ball up the field as freely as they have against far better teams as fulham and it seemed like most of that threat was coming through the right side and i feel like you know that that's a completely different story if eight nori was there like eight nori always is that outlet pass you could see how wide Semedo was playing and how Semedo was able to then play the ball into Bellegarde. They just didn't have that on the left side um, because, you know, and it's not Doherty's fault, but like he's just extremely right-footed, you know, like, and it, and it really hampered him. And there was even that one time where he broke free, I think in the Fulham penalty area and didn't get a shot off because he couldn't get it under his right foot. And like, if that's eight Nori, I'm not saying it goes in, but I'm saying like, he probably does fire a shot in with his left foot. So um, his dribbling ability, I thought was extremely missed. And I think that the whole idea of like Semedo and Doherty maybe switching for periods and then going back was just, you know, desperation trying to mix it up because they kind of understand that neither one of those guys is could could be a, a wrong-footed wingback i think um so that was that was kind of a letdown i feel like it took a lot out of um a lot of sting out of out of wolves's attack so 
um yeah it it made it extremely hard i think to progress the ball compared to what it would be like if he was if he was healthy and in well then paul the equalizer came it was really a good build up to a nice team goal and then some brilliance by the bella guardian great little <laughs> kind of getting open there in the box good loft pass that went over the defense and cunha was johnny on the spot um what was better the goal or the assist i think the assist was because well that goes two-sided the assist was because that's exactly where you wanted him in and around influencing play especially from that further position out on the right hand side the counter to that was that it, it didn't happen often enough and i think that was the only downfall of his performance tonight is that those were the types of games that we're expecting him to to shine in and there are a few moments but not consistently enough but I was a big fan of the assist it was great just to put it on there for, for Cunha to finish and I was just glad he, he was there the right place the right time that's exactly where you want your central striker to be so more of that please I liked he wasn't the only guy in the box either. There were several guys there in the box. It's just such a breath of fresh air. <laughs> um, Danny, I said it on Twitter. Um, what are your thoughts? I think Bellegarde is better than Dumbo. Oh, easily. And it's and it's not just and I don't think we're just saying a better fit for Wolves. Right now, I would rather have Bellegarde. Yeah. Uh no doubt uh he's he's more well-rounded and i'll even back it up with uh there, there's someone i follow on twitter uh dan butler who does some sort of tactical analysis stuff and uh i think he said it right at the time that uh you know us essentially trading nunez for Bellegarde is is some amazing business <laughs> it's uh and doyle and getting doyle in there too and add in doyle and maybe half of santi bueno in with the deal as well yeah. <laughs> Such a good deal. He's fun to watch, isn't he, Alex? Yes, uh, he is uh, uh, hugely fun, I think. And, and you know, it's it's certainly a drop off when you go from Pedro Neto to Belgard, but he does at least um, possess some characteristics where he likes to take players on, uh, run at guys and 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 can do so pretty skillfully. So um I'm what what I'm excited about is when Neto like presumably he's not going to play against Arsenal, which I think is fine, and I wouldn't want to rush him back for that. But then there's a couple of pretty winnable fixtures, and when you have a healthy Neto, does Belgard just come out of the lineup, or do you find a way to use them both um, and kind of have this uh, lineup that's made up of a lot of guys who can do similar things and who are all threatening in Cunha. Belgard and Neto because if you're going to be a team that's kind of hitting it, it's it, everyone all the commentators keep calling Wolves extremely direct and um, if you're going to be direct I, those three players uh, all at once I think would be a, a pretty scary thing for a team like uh, you know for, for some of the bottom half of the table teams to face all at once um, but yeah, we'll see. But Belgard's been great. I mean, he's it's 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 a really great surprise. Like this guy was hiding in Strasbourg, you know. Like that's not yeah. like <laughs> um, that's a really good find and a really good testament to their recruitment. I think. 
um, which is a good sign going forward now that we feel like Matt Hobbs uh, does have the keys to this thing. So Our Lord and Savior. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Paul, I almost think what it comes down to is when Neto is back, if you want him and Bellegarde in the lineup at the same time, it has to be a back four, right? Because we can't, I mean, at this point, you cannot take out Wang, and I don't feel like you could take out Cunha because he does so much in the middle, even if it's not necessarily scoring goals like an out-and-out number nine. Yeah, in an ideal world, it would do. That's always what we've been looking for, that the, the perception is that the five at the back hampers us in terms of being able to put ah biggest weapons all on the field at the same time my mm -hmm. reservation there and it's a pretty strong one that we've looked our most solid and our most competent for 18 months reverting back to about five again so as far as that goes I'd, I'd be really hesitant to it how you fit Neto in uh if you don't I think it it just has to be some really strong management to say that you you genuinely pay in playing for the shirt and you've got this you got this level that you have to be at other, otherwise someone comes in and i could see a um i could see neto come in uh in a front two with Bellegarde be behind him to make up a mm. more of a compact three man midfield uh that but he it, Probably Neto Neto's got to earn that earn that spot back. So it, it it's tricky. It's good that we've got the depth and the the players to talk about these these conversations. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not a bad thing if Belgarde also is just a player that comes off the bench because I do think one thing that is lacking, and Josh, we talked about players like you know, having bench options. Mm -hmm. There's not a ton of dynamism, really. Like, Sarabia right. comes in, he's a completely different player. Like, it, he showed he could really impact a game. But he's not like that Adama type who's just going to run at tired defenders, right? Like, right. and Kalajic is is more of a guy It's just like, you want him in around the box. Like, you want, like, his long limbs, like, getting on the edge of chances. Um, but he's not... And him and Bellegarde, I think, dynamic. fit... I, I think the two of them fit well together um, because of the fact that Bellegarde is a great, what we've seen, he's great at crossing into the box. Totally. So I, I guess my point is like, they, they, you know, they don't, he would be the one guy off the bench that I think is maybe could strike fear into defenders. Like he brings an element of uh, a lit, like a, a small percentage, I guess, of what we used to have with uh, our boy that's behind you uh, uh, on a plaque on the wall there in Adama um, because they don't really have anyone else. Our Lord like that. and you know, Savior. Do Our Do Doyle Savior. is a little bit more of like, a you know, like he comes in as more of a midfielder who's like guess like a, a chance creator uh, uh, in a sense and mm -hmm. really good at set pieces. But like otherwise, it's a lot of like for like subs, mm -hmm. whereas Belgard wouldn't necessarily be that. So it is a good problem to have if he is a bench player. For sure. Yeah, I like that a lot. So it went into the half, Paul, 1-1. Kind of seemed like an odd game already. And then it got drunk. That's all there is. So let's talk about the first penalty, which, I mean, we might as well just at this point draw a circle before the beginning of the game and go, Wolves are going to get fucked right here. <laughs> right here. Because it's been the exact same spot for three <laughs> weeks. 
it's unreal. It's not even like, oh no, it's in general. No, like right there. Um, initial call. I thought the referee, he took his time, blew the whistle for the penalty. Now, what was interesting, um, you know, stunningly, Martin Tyler didn't bore me to death. Like uh, I was actually able to wake up for his commentary on this. They said that they thought the official took a long time because still wasn't sure. Go ahead, blow the whistle for the penalty and hope VAR sorts it out if it's the right thing. That makes sense. I you see NFL refs do that a lot, but this do, that does not work with VAR at all. It does not work because these guys are uh, it's a loss. Tomato got the ball, right, Paul? Yeah, yeah, quite clearly as well. When you look at the the different angles, which we all could see, and they could, we could see them could see the angles that showed how. He got the ball and then his foot was planted and then the foul was drawn. And I even saw someone's uh, tweet. I can't remember who to give him the correct credit before we start recording. And he's got the actual freeze frame and his comment is like, I can do this off my iPhone. Why can't those fuckers in Stockley Park do it? You know, so it is a clear freeze frame of Samedo's foot being planted, and there is clear daylight between him and Carney's foot. Like clear daylight. He absolutely drew the foul. And that like it's simulation, it's a booking, you know? And heat of the moment, the the referees know players playing the game. No, at, at any level, you know, for pens to pen, it shouldn't have that delay. You're not there looking at it as a ref thinking. <laughs> mm, that a it, it doesn't work like that. It's it, got to be boom. It's, it's instinctive, you know, and, and that's what it should be designed to do. And from the moment that delay occurred, I thought we we're going to be in the shit here because as soon as he gives it, they're always looking for every angle to try and again back their friend up you know they will show the clearest angle that counters his original decision they'll stop focusing on that one and then flip it to one from behind someone's asses in the way that you can't see properly and they'll keep on focusing on that and then some dumbass will say well we can't really see it from this one so have to give it the the decision on the field it's just absolute like I, I'm just I'm I'm lost with it at the moment I totally am I'm totally detached from it well, I think the real kick in the nuts here was that Gary O'Neill said, hey, referee came up to me and told me that Nelson was a mistake and he isn't sure why he wasn't sent to the screen. Yeah, send them to the screen every time. If they're going back and forth, have, it, have him in the dialogue at the same time. Like, yeah. you see, like, ask him what he's seeing when, when he's looking at it at the screen. You know, did, did you see that clearly? All of that conversation should be going on, and he's got a clear view of what they're looking at at Stockley Park at, on every occasion. That should be mandated. If it goes to VR, send him to the screen straight away. I think that's what irritates me, because you look at the NFL, and, and I don't really think instant replay is great in all sports. There's always going to be problems. Of course, there's problems without instant replay, too. But at least in the NFL... The officials are the ones, the on-field official is the one that's going to the screen and looking at it. Uh, same with basketball. They're going to the 
screen on the sidelines to look at it. To me, it should be VAR shouldn't be going it just checking off sides. That should be pretty fucking easy. Get a line. We have the technology, right? To me, if you need to look at it more than two or three times and you're kind of like, eh, send them to look at it. Number one, I think it's going to take less time than the, the BS. Um, and number two, let him decide. Well, what's the use of having a head referee if you're not going to let him decide on the, the biggest things? What do you think, Danny? I mean, I, that to me is the solution. Let them decide. Send them to yeah. – there's a TV there already. We know. It's ah! so It's so convoluted, especially within this game, because, of course, we have – one penalty where uh, the ref later feels that it was wrong and he wished he'd been sent to the monitor. And then we have another one where he was sent to the monitor and backed it up. But the general consensus is that it's not a penalty. And so it's like, it's hard to come up with a, a simple solution that fixes all these problems. But I agree generally that like the, the on-field ref should still be the main center of authority. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to give, give some of these, uh egos more more fodder you know the the rob joneses of the world and and whatnot but like but i still i want that referee to be in control of that game and offloading some of this responsibility to someone in a room looking at a screen somewhere and there's this weird diffusion where of responsibility where you know the ref sort of like gives the penalty so that they can check it but then because it's given they're reluctant to take it away and it's just like this is all the incentives are wrong here. You know, like the, the ref wants to cover themselves by giving it initially so that it can even be checked. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's complete nonsense. I mean, the, the, I I was chatting with someone on, on uh, Twitter before we came on about how the only thing I can think is that they've seen some minimal contact, as you said, between like, I think it's Mm -hmm. tomatoes calf and Tom Kearney's calf it's it's immaterial the the amount of uh contact but i can't possibly wrap my mind around that being the contact that they've said is enough to say that that should still be a penalty because that makes it literally identical to the fabio one and the huang one which they said explicitly were incorrect decisions (laughs) and you know i I, I give a lot of respect to the referee for admitting to gary o'neill it was a mistake. But in the NFL, Alex, I know you watch it a lot. I mean, referees, kind of what we've learned with them is usually on like fumbles and stuff like that, they're going to go ahead and say it's a fumble early on and allow the return and then go back. But again, the difference there is they're the ones that are going back and checking their own decision. And even though all referees have a little bit of ego, Believe it or not, I think the NFL guys have less ego because they're willing to change their fucking call. Yeah, and, and that's the weird part about it. It's like, it, I don't know where this narrative came into play that like a VAR overturning an official's call is all of a sudden this massive indictment on the official. Like, I think we're all of the understanding that it's very hard to see everything in real time in a sport where you're kind of the only one making these calls. And there's, you know, 11 players on each team moving very fast in a, you know, contact sport. Right. So like, Mm -hmm. that's what's weird about it to me is it's like going, going to review a play in the NFL 
and a guy changing the decision. It, it's like he's not he doesn't feel sorry for himself and no one's judging the guy like the, it exists so that he can get it right. I, that, that's the weirdest part about it, because what I feel like that creates and Danny alluded to this is like the VAR is almost it almost seems like they're looking for anything in the play to confirm what the referee's decision is rather than just looking at it as it is and using some common fucking sense, right? Like, mm-hmm. like what happened here? Oh, the guy's going like, he looks like he's going down before there's any contact. Oh, there's not even any contact, but they're going to find that one freeze frame to try to confirm the decision as to not like embarrass the official, like grow, grow up. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? Like well, so you're you a good official. If you're a good official, you shouldn't be embarrassed because Look, it's a tough job. I'm not going to say I want that job yeah. or I could do that job. It's a tough job. They're making decisions like that. But yeah, grow a pair and just be able to admit, man, that was quick. May not have had it's, the best view. Glad BAR's here. So some of the conversations that are being released, and I'm sure we'll hear this one two weeks from now, and we'll we'll just laugh about it and shrug it <laughs> off, and then we'll just like, you know, nothing will ever change. Um, but like some of the conversations are also embarrassing because it sounds like that. It sounds like they're like, uh, you know, like making every excuse in the book to try to confirm a decision. Like it's like predetermined. It just, it just makes no sense to me. And the lack of clarity, like (laughs) it's kind of shocking. Like the quality is absolutely insane. um, For You think if anything, their ego would induce them to want to go look at it and to make right. the correct decision because then if it's if they feel it's the correct decision but everybody else disagrees then that you know rob jones can come out afterwards and say i'm sorry i looked at it two times i still think it's a penalty and yeah. then we can go ahead and continue to hate rob jones <laughs> and then you don't have to go and apologize to gary o'neill after the game which is probably more embarrassing than anything and he's doing yeah. it way more embarrassing <laughs> he's, he's doing it on behalf of these guys who were trying to back him up like that's that's the ridiculous part. Oh my god, it is ridiculous. Well, then Wolves got you know we got actually got VAR to help us out, Paul. That seemed like a no brainer. If anything, the only thing that really needed to be questioned was well, was it in or out of the box? I loved how then this just proves out how, how much they hate Wolves. Then they were going back. Okay, yeah, it was found the box, but let's see if there was an offsides like ten minutes earlier. Right when they showed that on the screen, I was like, "Get out of here!" And Kalajnić completely knocking Bassi off the ball as well, like checking mm-hmm. that for a foul. You, it was just—it it does seem like every opportunity to uh, to do us over that they were looking to do it on that one, and effectively they did because guess who still stayed on the pitch? Mm-hmm. Second book in that. You you don't give you don't give a foul away in that position as a defender, practically the last man or not if the last man pretty darn close to, to being it with one person covering you, that's a foul and that's a booking that's a second yellow that's that's a sending off how that was missed, Lord only knows. Again, it goes down to ineptitude and inconsistency this is pure basics of refereeing the game Danny how how far has Wayne came I remember the last time he tried to take a penalty was in the league cup game last year and it was just oh, awful that's right yeah and he came out with this one and just banged it I mean they even guessed the right direction yeah and he he's still uh... just buried it 
he's really trying to endear himself to the you know over 50 crowd um by hitting it powerfully just straight down the center yeah my my dad would be very happy with that penalty he's not a big fan of the stutter steps (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i had totally forgotten about that that last penalty that he took i probably blocked it out and also a complete surprise it's funny as soon as uh the penalty was being reviewed and and he was holding the ball you know i was just sitting there thinking like man we've been we've been off this whole time i thought like Cunha would probably be in front of him if Fabio's on Fabio's probably in front of him maybe Sasha I don't know I've never seen him take a penalty um <laughs> there are a bunch of people in that field who could have been in front of him uh and I just I wasn't I wasn't expecting it but maybe I should have been expecting it and it was a great penalty I loved he grabbed his badge right over I I just feel like he's he's really the perfect fit for this version of Wolves just you know a lot of passion I mean just and playing with so much confidence, it, it's really great to see it. Um, so it still kind of seemed, though, Paul, something crazy was going to happen. I didn't know which way. Um, then we got to talk about Max Kilman. Max Kilman, we got to send you to acting class, man. As much as we sit here on this show and bitch about, you know, people taking dives and stuff, because... It does suck, it, and that's what people who don't like soccer like to point out. Oh, well, they die, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> On that one, look, Vinicius hits you in the face. You got to go down. You got to go down, right? You, you you cover your nose and you take a knee, and yeah. and you, <laughs> you don't go arms failing backwards. Ah, that's when it looks comical. That's when you put your you, – you put your – Hand over your face, you, you take a knee, you, you, you drop your head to the floor, and that's that's when it gets looked at, and that, that's the reaction that you're looking for. But even the talk track that's come out off the back of that, that it was a, a soft headbutt. Now, what's the difference between a soft headbutt and a hard <laughs> headbutt? T- take I've away softer ones called. Take away either of the descriptive words. It's a headbutt. Guess what a headbutt is? It's a fucking sending off. Yeah. Soft, hard, semi. I don't care. <laughs> a chubby I, I was I was genuinely shocked about that language, about a soft headbutt. Because yeah. it's it's a black and white situation. The reason that you have a rule against violent conduct is that you're trying to stop all that conduct. And it's also a recognition that doing that action has no place in the game. So like you swing your foot in, you go studs up. Those are all actions that you would take on a football field because you're trying to fling your feet around at a ball and it's near other people's feet. But putting your head into someone else's head is not an action that ever needs to happen in the course of regular play. So that's like saying that you could take a swing at someone with your fist, but if you didn't connect, then then it's okay. Yeah. No, that, that'd be a sending off too because you're trying to hit a person for it's no other reason. Swing. <laughs> I mean, Alex, this is what is maddening to me about Kilman as captain is he's just he's very passive. He's a good player. I think I think he's a really good guy and he wants to play the right way, which is great. And to him, like, well, he's not one to fake or exaggerate stuff, but it's almost like you have to know a little bit of the dark arts as well. Right. Yeah, uh, I mean, 
<laughs> I, I, I'm literally at a loss for words. Like it is like the one instance where VAR could step in and it is a black and white thing. Like it's either mm-hmm. a headbutt or it's not a headbutt. But yeah, like for Kilman, like I, 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 it's really hard because I feel like the way we should all want everyone to play is that way, right? Like, like, you know, to stay up through contact instead of diving half the time. But on a headbutt situation, you have to realize like this is a very easy opportunity. Mm-hmm. to just get a guy sent off but well, he, sh- he shouldn't have to you know like this right is the exactly thing. it's the, not the, it's not the slap in the it. face yeah. is that it was a yellow card and not no card right It'd be one thing if he said no there's not really anything there i'm not giving it but he gave a yellow card which i guess was just for squaring up to him to like being aggressive in general but that's insane and it's like that you saw that and gave a yellow and not a red every football fan who's watched more than two games of football knows what has happened there is it's a yellow because max kilman didn't go down and you want to know why players dive it's for that exact reason the player didn't go down he got a yellow next time he'll go down and the player will get sent off and we'll all say uh football players are so dramatic they went down even though he only (laughs) nuzzled him like like we all said about wang when he grabbed his face at, at bournemouth but mm-hmm. he did the right thing because if he had stayed mm-hmm. on his feet, it would have been a yellow. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what's silly. That's what's really silly. And honestly, what's what's another thing that's wrong with the game. <laughs> and and this is a player who also has a little bit of a reputation. Like there was a big incident in their win over Chelsea where he definitely should have been sent off. Uh, and, you know, Chelsea had a gripe about that as well, where he basically, you know, committed to kind of a violent act on i think it was tiago silva so like mm-hmm. like why does this guy get the benefit of the doubt when he reacted to seemingly nothing i guess to Kilman telling him to get up right because like there wasn't even a ton of contact between the two on the play so oh man i don't know brutal and you kind of felt paul you felt like that was gonna be a big moment even though there wasn't that much time in the game you kind of felt uh that may have given them a lifeline and sure enough it did another foul uh not called in the box but it was var decided to look at it um i feel like compared to the last one yeah that one may have been a penalty more than all of them but at the same time too like dude's guys out of nowhere he's diving out of nowhere and gomez is just going for the ball i don't know what you can do in that situation Personally, I thought it, again his foot was planted and it, his arms were raised in in that he knew it was coming even before that contact was drawn. So again, we're just getting played on these challenges, and again it, the the whole thing about if if you're not overturning the first one, then how is that second one being overturned for, for clear and obvious? And it's it's like the minutest. The, the minutest element that that's causing that foul that's caused him to to take a tumble if that happens again anywhere else on the pitch you're told to wave mm-hmm. told to to get up and carry on like it's a it's a it's a game with that physical contact that that's expected now all of a sudden it's in the box and they use that dark art to to claim it and and use it in that way just it just doesn't sit right and that this is this is the type of thing that when it happened and and he immediately didn't give it 
I wanted him booked, you know, for simulation. Mm -hmm. And that's the type of stuff that should be, that, that should be, um, they should put a stamp on is if you draw in contact off someone else, that's as much a simulation as if it's you're going in for a challenge and, and you're feeling it and you're going down at the slightest little feather of a contact to, to me what what they're what they're doing in, in drawing those fouls is actually worse because they're, they're they're playing for it. it's not a it's not a natural coming together of attack in the first place they're looking for those fouls and that's not right that's not football danny at this point if you're playing against wolves as soon as the ball's in the box if you get near a defender you should just be diving at this point right because it seems to work Honestly, don't even take a shot. Just dribble it around the ball, around the box. Mm -hmm. As long as you can keep the ball in the box, eventually there will be some kind of contact. And as long as the ref points to the spot initially, they'll they'll look at that contact about twenty different angles and decide it's a penalty. Alex, when when you saw the play in real time, did you have a feeling it was going to come back because of VAR and given a penalty? Uh, no, because I was using the logic from before that because he didn't <laughs> right. give it, it wouldn't be overturned because it's a close call. So there has to be clear and a clear and obvious error, which yep. I do think that one was more of a penalty than the first one. But mm -hmm. again, like having not been given, I struggle to understand how it's easy enough to overturn, but the other one was not. So yeah, I, I I actually thought we were gonna get away with that. I, I will say that of all the all the decisions generally, but of all the penalties that have been given against us, that second one is the most like a penalty. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. But then it's like then nothing like a penalty. A, a yeah. penalty is that coming together. It's like that obvious yeah. slide tackle that's completely mistimed. You know, it's not these intricate tiny little yeah. touches and feathers and two leg hairs that are intertwined <laughs> and he feels the attacker feels that leg hair contact and goes down <laughs> and and they're given like this is there's I, a i want a penalty for a penalty's sake yeah. if we're gonna get done for him it needs to be like That's right like like a really meaty foul yeah and... <laughs> there was there was a penalty that jose saw gave away I think it was last year against Spurs. And it, it was one of those where it's like the players really bought it. And if the ref doesn't call it, you think that's not a great decision. But if the ref does call it, you think that's also not a great decision. So it's probably just a gray area. That's sort of how I felt about this one in the moment, at least, is that mm -hmm. it's like, again, it's like what Alex said, if he had not given it, which he did not, then I think like it's a borderline decision that I could live with. And similarly, if he had given it and they'd confirmed it, I'd say that's a borderline decision. Uh, I feel hard done by, but it's the least bad call in this whole game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, I can't even be that mad about it because there's three other things I'm more mad about <laughs> from, this, yeah. from, this, from this match. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Gary O'Neill, he's the goat of quotes at this point. He says, Poetry. you can phone me. And tell me I'm wrong. You can phone me and apologize. You can send me flowers if you like. But the difference from 22 points to 15 is huge. And it damages the lives of Wolves fans, the players, and my reputation as someone waking my way at a big club. 
That's the best quote you could possibly say after that situation, I feel like. Because he's, he's aiming that squarely at the person responsible for this whole shit show of hardware. No one else. Yeah. He's yeah. the one who's got to fix it. If he can't, needs to get a new job. So what is the fix, Paul? Um, I'd like... Um, I'd like some bet. I, I don't want these dickheads in Stockley Park who are there protecting their mates like Stuart fucking Atwell does um, because it's him again, his agenda, whatever it is, against the wolves. I want some neutrality in there. It like whenever we listen to these, um, it we'll, we'll listen to the the recordings of what's going on in the decision making process. I bet you when we if they if they play these ones back. It sounds like a shit show in there that none of oh, them know what they're doing. The the only people that sound clear and methodical and, and thought driven are the ones that we don't know who they are. They're the analysts and stuff in the background, the, the professionals, the assistants, the, the, the analysts who are stitching it all together and, and, and looking at it. I say get rid of get rid of these crews put a team in there that's that's impartial that are trained that, are, that they know the rules inside out they can they can do it impartially they're not going to be given a decision one week and then refing the team the next it, it's got to be done 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 better than what it is now because it, it's a closed shop it's an old boys club that they're, they're protecting each other like Again, how, how does it work in American sports when they go to New York? Who's looking at those images? Is it? No one has any idea. That's yeah. the thing. It's <laughs> yeah. not, you know, Ed Hockley, or I know he doesn't ref anymore, but it's not like <laughs> one of those guys in charge who's like going to be seen on TV the next week. Yeah. And, so... and, and it's people who they're always in that room. So it's not like somebody who was on the field calling matches is now suddenly in yeah. the AR. Like they're specific they're people that know how to look at the video. <laughs> and even for the NFL, they they don't they have, you know, the referee on there with his little thing going, okay, back it up. Let me see a different angle. You know, okay, forward, back. There you go. But then Danny, like... what's the solution? What's the solution? Yeah. The didn't solution. didn't last week they said they got some pilots or whatever to come in and teach them how to talk to each other? They did. Yeah, the <laughs> communication issues from a, a British Airways, I believe. Yeah. Pilots were teaching them how to communicate. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, maybe they were maybe they were listening in when I had my rant about, you know, high stress jobs where like communication is key and they need to get professionals in who know that. <laughs> I hope they didn't I, get the, I, the guy from Breaking Bad that caused those two planes to crash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I truly don't know, but it, it does feel like it's becoming untenable, especially Howard Webb's position in all this, which I get that he's more of a figurehead than, than much of anything else. But how can you keep sending out apologies? How can you keep saying we got it wrong? And, and also doing this show, which I think that he got a lot of, a lot of kudos for you know oh they're finally going to come out and they'll have the the recordings and they'll talk us through it and whatever but i i have to feel that at this point it's doing more harm than good and he's going to start feeling that way too is he going to want to come out and explain this game and not just the specific calls against wolves but i mean like 
and I know they don't really take a holistic view of it, but I mean, this game was a shit show in terms of, in terms of refereeing, especially just from the very beginning, all the, like the yellows, the things that weren't called as yellows, you know, the, the obvious, the missing the second yellow on Reem. I mean, it's just like, it was so inconsistent and to come out and focus on one of these calls, which is what they'll do. Cause they always just pick one you know, really does a disservice to just the standard of refereeing and what VAR is doing and not doing for this game. I just, I can't see how it continues like this through the whole season. It, it cannot. It's brutal. It's brutal. And then there was talk this week, Paul, about them actually expanding what VAR looks like, which may have been the, the most tone deaf thing ever. <laughs> just like no no i know how to read the room guys you know just just stfu <laughs> I, I can't wait till we're sitting there watching howard webb explain with commentary for the var about how like there's these two players battling by the quarter flag and whether it, it came off of one player or the other for a corner kick or a goal kick it's like kill me the refer the fourth official has said there will be <laughs> 18 minutes of stoppage time. <laughs> Just absurd. Uh also we can't forget that Lamina got a late yellow on a questionable one. Gomez got a legit yellow. So now they're both out for Arsenal. So yay. That seems less than <laughs> ideal, Paul. It does. Um I, th- I think out the two, it, and he's, he's probably up there for uh, one of the players of the season so far is Lamina. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it, it even I, I could I can see a, a rotation really with any of them alongside him at the moment in terms of form and what they can bring. So for me, that that's a big miss. Um, the positives, the flip side is. You get to see a, a, a new midfield duo now. Can they do uh, do better than they did the first time around against Ipswich? That's that's what the hope is now. Um, personally, I'd probably like it to be solidified a little with uh, Balagard in there playing more centrally to to really go in there as a as a central three. Um, but it, it's not like you were worried about. I don't know who would we used to fall back on and be really worried, like Dendonka and someone else, if Neves was out. <laughs> At least we've got options now, and I really like I really like Tommy Doyle. I think he's going to be a great player. So I'm I'm excited about about that. And the flip side is is you you kind of go in to uh, to the Emirates as, as the underdog anyway. So is it a good one for both of them to miss but potentially get them? Back in a clean slate for a, a busy Christmas period with um, so some more games in November that you've got a better chance of picking three points up in. Enjoying Whole Lot of Wolves? Whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening, don't forget to rate and review the show so that we can make sure to continue to grow the pack. Thanks for listening, and up the mighty wolves. So helping us preview the Arsenal game on Saturday, returning from the DU football show, is Mr. Sam Graham. How's it going, Sam? Not bad, gentlemen. How you doing today? Uh, we'd be doing better if uh, VAR would just fuck off, but, you know, it is what it is. 
I hear you. A little bit of a rough afternoon, I saw. A little bit, a little bit. So uh, after the last international break and, you know, we're entering the festive period, this is kind of when we start seeing what teams are going to be. Do you think the Gunners, is there genuine title expectations at this point? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the last season, obviously, minus that kind of three-game skid in March, proved that we're there, but we're young. And then an experience is... um, you know, kind of proved to be key last season. This season, I think we've learned from that a bit. We've come through a little bit of a rough patch at the start, and now we're seeing ourselves find a little bit of stride again. Um, We obviously started very, very well, and then, you know, two, three games uh, of a bit of a quirky, I think, back to the Fulham game especially. But, um, you know, I, I do think there's a genuine title challenge there. I really do. So we've all come in. Uh... To the Emirates on Saturday, it's a mid-place team, you're at home. How do you expect that you'll be lining up uh, against us, the, the, the type of opponent we are? And within that, is there any type of Achilles heel that you notice that we may be able to potentially exploit? Uh, so I think we'll line up much like we did uh, this past weekend. I think you'll see Trissard slot back in um, in that kind of number eight role, that Jaka role from last season. Um, and there'll be a lot more interchanging between Martinelli, uh, Jesus, Saka, even um, Odegaard joining that front three as well. Um, it's a handful that, you know, I mean, we saw in, in our little bit shaky bit um, in the previous two games, without Odegaard, there wasn't really much creativity there wasn't much to unlock the defense and i think that's really what you all would need to worry about is being able to try to contain martin odegaard uh to really have a chance here to be honest um now that being said i haven't seen many people in the premier league work harder than cunha um this season uh as well as um uh huang uh that korean guy as uh pep likes to call him uh, he's, he's fantastic. Both of those guys. Now I think Huang will be kind of stifled Saliba and, um, Gabrielle are, are beasts at the back. Um, but Zimchenko kind of lacks defensively, you know, uh, we, Ben White came on little cameo, um, towards the end of the game, uh, this past weekend. So I think he'll be fully fit. So our right side should be locked down. Um, but if Cunha can get some joy down, uh, down our left, your right-hand side. I think uh, that would probably be the best way for, for you guys to do something. And Lamina as well, just randomly um, pops up with fucking screamers, absolute, you know, 30 yard bangers. So you never know. I mean, it's entirely possible that, you know, Trissard loses a ball and holy shit, top corner out of nowhere. You know what I mean? He's out, unfortunately, five uh, five bookings. Uh, so we we'll have a whole new central midfield. So oh, he's out, and Joe Gomez is out. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's that is good news for us then. So perfect. It's not ideal like for us. That. Not ideal. No, not at all. Uh, especially when we're getting healthy at the right time. You know, like I said, with Odegaard coming back after being under concussion protocol um, for those couple of games after getting rifled in the head with the ball at training. Uh, so, you know, um, we should be at full strength. And, uh, I mean, considering the Rav, uh, David Raya, Aaron Ramsdale situation, you know, if whatever you consider our full strength to be, uh, that, that should be it. So, uh, speaking of Ramsdale, I wanted to ask you about him because, uh, very recently during the international break, 
uh, there were some rumors that uh, Wolves were a team who would be uh, going after him in January if if we lost Jose Sa to the Saudi League uh, with a uh, loan with an obligation to buy. Um, how do you feel about Ramsdale and the keeper situation right now? And and would you be fine seeing him go to another Premier League team? Well, obviously, I never want to strengthen another Premier League team. That would be, you know, not advantageous for us uh, in any regard. But I love Aaron Ramsdale. I want him to stay. Um, I think the media has overhyped this entire thing. Um, I can understand why, because it's never really happened at the goalkeeper position before. But if this was any other outfield position, you'd want to strengthen and you'd want your team to have two, maybe three players fighting for a starting berth. Why is that not the same for your goalkeeper? Now, Aaron Ramsdale didn't do himself any favors, um, you know, spiking the ball like he just scored a touchdown. Uh, and then that other weird little thing he did um, uh, at the beginning of the game uh, where he almost lost his feet. But all in all, he the two times he has played against Brentford since David Raya has arrived, he's kept clean sheets. One thing David Raya hasn't done really is keep clean sheets. So I think there is a good competition for places. I think it's healthy, but I think Ramsdale is also still very young and all of this attention and media, his father is going off on podcasts without his permission and talking and everything else. You know, Arteta doesn't know what he's doing. He's disrespectful to my son. We haven't gotten any communication, this, that, the other is creating this, this shit storm of, of attention around him that he doesn't want. Um, you know, him and his partner uh, late last season uh, had a miscarriage as well. Um, now they've since gotten pregnant again and had the baby. So congratulations to them. But all of these various things, especially at that young man's age is, is a lot to deal with. And I think you're seeing, you know, kind of this, this shaky patch from him be really, you know, it as, as a result of all of those things, but ultimately, yeah, I hope he stays. I want him there. I love him. He's great. I love his passion. I love his everything. It's he's phenomenal. Is uh, Neto on your wish list too? Still, there have been links of that that severely annoy us, but um, we also have to be realistic. <laughs> I I more want a traditional box to box midfielder. Um, the Ruben Neves on loan from the Saudi league oh, uh, interests me a little bit, um, <laughs> but I would prefer the latest rumor and. Our producer, Mel, who you all are very familiar with, uh, is not going to be happy about this, but I would prefer Douglas Louise, honestly, from Villa to join. Um, I'm kind of tired of tricky, fast, little left-footed wingers at my club at the moment. I don't think we need any more of those. Uh, so um, I don't know how many players we can get to play down the wing, but uh, you know, I think the four and a half maybe that we have is good enough for the time being. I don't think we need any more competition for places there. So uh, in, in terms of my view, Pedro Neto's safe with you guys, no problem. That's what we like to hear. Not the Neves news, though. For somebody that's willing to jump ship that fast, the one thing I will give Ruben Neves, though, is at least he was honest about it. He's like, yeah, mm -hmm. my grandkids' grandkids won't have to work. That's why I'm <laughs> doing it. Like, all right, cool, no problem. Everybody's got, a, everybody's got a price. Oh, yeah. yeah. Whoever, if you're listening, I'll come play for a couple hundred grand a week. No problem. <laughs> Shoot. I'll uh I'll go out and blow the whistle and call penalties on wolves since that's all you have to do to be a referee in EPL. <laughs> exactly. Who for a thousand fire recently, Tucker Carlson, sign me up. I'm in. Hate for yeah. <laughs> No problem. Couple million a year. I'm I'm in, buddy. <laughs> How can people listen to the show, Sam? 
Absolutely. Just search DU Football Show on any podcast platform. We're everywhere. We also stream live on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. Sorry, X. Uh, every Monday no, night. It's Twitter. <laughs> Twitter.com, sir. It's Twitter in this house. <laughs> um, yeah, so just tweet on X and uh, you'll find us at DU Football Show on all those social medias. And uh, like I said, DU Football Show at gmail.com to get in touch via email uh, with us. We love talking to everybody. Um, drinks every show. Uh, it's like you're sitting at the bar with us, just talking shit about all 20 teams because everybody deserves a look in here and there, especially ones uh, with 10 point deductions, which my co-host is uh, a proud Evertonian. Um, even if it is as dreary as it is at the moment. Fuck you, Graham. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like Sam. Appreciate right, thanks, it, Sam. Appreciate it. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Thanks. All See right, you bye. later. All right, thanks to Sam from the DU Football Show. Always entertaining. Um, so Wolves playing Arsenal Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. Um, Paul, chances of VAR coming into play in the results in this one? I, I, I don't care, you know. I just <laughs> um, it, it, It's got to a point where it's like, what's the point anymore like why why get excited about it for it to be like you get screwed over or you think you've gone gone a goal up and then for it to be dragged back it's just uh, talk about makeup goals i need like makeup of about five league positions before I'm even going to get interested back into it again the state that it's been this season so and, and until something changes, it's just like it, it's sucking the life out of it for me. Man, that was an absurd part about the commentators from this last week when they're like, "Oh, these things tend to even out." Fuck you, Martin Tyler. Yeah, well, if they they even out, I'm looking forward to uh, if especially if they even out in this next game, I'm looking forward to Arsenal getting expelled from the football league or something. <laughs> uh. So is the midfield guys probably gonna be Doyle and Bubakar, and then maybe just a front two of Huang and uh, Cunha with Bellegarde kind of moving around, Danny? Yeah, I think that's the safe bet. Uh, I mean, I guess like Alex said earlier, there you know there's some chance that that Neto is back and ready for some minutes, but but if it were me, if I could if I could do anything to spare him having to spend any time on that pitch, I probably would. I, I just don't think it's worth it. If, if he is back and only good for a certain number of minutes, uh, you know, especially with hamstrings, they're so tricky and, you know, I'd, I'd rather him just be fit for the, the more quote unquote winnable games. Uh, and I think we have, even without him, we have players who can hurt Arsenal on the break, like the ones that you mentioned. So, yeah, I think, I think, yeah try to pack out the midfield like Paul said and hope that Quang and Bellegarde can hit them on the counter. <laughs> Alex, I almost don't want Neto not just because I'd like to give him a little more time to heal, but I don't want Arsenal fans to see him and get like little chubbies that oh, he didn't hit in January. <laughs> wow, 
Wolves will sell him for 22 billion pounds. Yeah, yeah, true. I, I don't want them to uh um get more of a uh flavor for wanting that other than they than they may already have. That that that's for sure. Um and for him, you know, playing at the Emirates. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's different when you're sitting there in a uh a parka cold on the bench or or playing with these fans in full in full roar. So yeah, uh, I'm with that. So, Paul, what do you think? You think we're in for another surprise, or is it going to be a little dicey? I keep on saying that we can't have this lightning striking for the third time, will it have been? And um, I, th- I think it's a case that those games that have been at home where we've probably don't we've done better at home I think this season we've looked on the road for sure so I I, I can't see us uh, I can't see us doing anything special on Saturday unfortunately well let's look at how the prediction standings are man me Alex me and you almost uh, got some points today yeah not so much though with our 2-2 draws no points. Wolves, you had, uh, Paul, you had a 3-1 Wolves win. Danny had a 1-0 Wolves win. Neither happened. So, still tied. Our guest spot has 16 points. Uh, Alex, you have 12. I have 8. Danny has 7. And Paul is the Burnley with uh, 5 points. You know, <laughs> at least you're not Everton, Paul, and had stuff uh, taken away from you. So, you got that. So, uh, Danny, let's hear from you. What's your prediction for the Arsenal game? Yeah, like like Paul, I I don't have a ton of expectation that uh, we're gonna we're gonna turn in a performance like we did against City. I think our waveform hasn't been nearly as convincing. Um, I think I would I'm gonna go for a two one Arsenal victory uh, with Wang scoring. Alex, what do you think? Ah oh, man, I really wanna. Just have faith in O'Neill to pick off another league leader. Um, but I I just I just can't right now, honestly. Um I I also like if Eight Nori is out, I don't love Bukayo Saka running at uh, you know, wh- whoever is going to be in his Matt place, Doherty. especially if it's Matt Doherty. Um, because he's probably gonna be Toady. Let's be honest. If Bueno's not ready to go, it's probably gonna be Toady, right? Uh, I guess yeah, and then the other Bueno, Santi Bueno, could then be the third center back, which I don't, I don't like that either. Um, and then you flip it around, and like Samato's been great defensively, but like dealing with Martin, they just have a lot of guys who really scare me, like weirdly more than City or perhaps even Liverpool. Uh, and Gabriel Jesus is healthy now, so um, yeah, I'm gonna go two nil Arsenal. Uh, just get it over with and move on to Tuesday is kind of my approach to to this one as much as I want to be up for it. Uh, I don't see it. Not, not away. Paul. Yeah. I, I, I'm totally negative, but I'm going to not go on the lost train and just have some little seasonal excitement of a two, two draw. Two, two draw. Wow. Okay. Who's scoring Paul? 
Who's scoring? That's a good question. Uh, I think the form guys. If we could take anything from uh, from today's game, tonight's game, it's Kunya and and Wang scoring. So I'm going for both of those. I think we'll score first. They'll get two back, and we'll get one late on. I don't think it'll be pretty. I think Wolves will get a low a goal late on something, but I'm gonna say three one Arsenal. As I'm not feeling good about it. Maybe if our midfield was like actually there, I would feel a little bit better. And you know, like Paul, I think Tommy Doyle is gonna be a great player. I think this is a tough spot to come in, especially when you don't have a Lamina beside you. Uh, all right. And then we got a quick turnaround Tuesday, Paul. Burnley, that great time when it's super convenient for all Wolves fans. Tuesday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 1.30 Central Time. Uh, what's your excuse to get out of work this time? Meeting? Yeah, well, yeah, potentially. Got some annual leave to squeeze in, though, before it expires, so... Might just put the afternoon off and do a Danny Paletti and go to the pub. That's go. funny that you say that because I think next week on Tuesday I have an actual meeting, not a fake work meeting that I actually oh, no. have to be in. <laughs> how about you, Alex? How do you get out of it? Uh, that This one's going to be tough, I have to be honest. Um, but I, I think uh, between my last like meeting pre-lunch and my event I have to go to in the evening, I could sneak away. Um, what I might do is I might become inappropriately dressed for my evening event, which is like this gala thing, and then say I have to go home and like get a suit on so then I come home and watch the game oh, and then just brilliant. show up at the event later rather than being at work throughout the entirety of the day. Genius. So that's my strategy. Bravo. Yeah. Bravo. That's yeah. good. <laughs> this is where, guys, I'm glad I work from home for a sports betting company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can just watch it. It's great. There's no excuse needed. No, no, no excuse needed. Um, uh, that could be fun, Danny. Why don't you put on there on on social media on Twitter, uh, how everybody's gonna get out to watch the game on Tuesday? What is the best excuses to use? Because that may be useful in the future for these midweek games for somebody. It's gonna be very Remember useful, and I already have several ideas i'll I'll put them all on twitter we'll have remember with, with the world cup when it was the uh which was 18 i think it was the 2014 world cup where u.s men's national team had the note that you could actually fill out and it was like <laughs> Jurgen klinsman saying uh please allow this person because this is an important game so you know please <laughs> allow them off work to celebrate that was genius that was genius but I don't think uh I don't think that'll work for a regular season Wolves versus Burnley game, Paul. Um what do you think? You think Burnley's gonna channel their inner JJ Watt? It could it could be a um it could be a staunch defensive performance with lots of sacks and, and tackles for loss at the Molyneux, so potentially. 
he's over at the moment, isn't it? I wonder if he's sticking around for that game. I saw him. I don't know. It sounds like he's signing with the Houston Texans soon, so we'll see. I saw him pouring pints in a Burnley pub, so I'm not sure for for how long. But, I um, would be pouring pints as well if I was a Burnley fan. So uh, yeah, I'd be trying to drink him more than pour him, but. Um, <laughs> It's it's just it's got no you know it's got no, nothing about this fixture stands out of being being attractive you know if you're a list if you're a neutral that stumbled upon a whole lot of walls just skip this one you know just, we'll yeah. we'll play better the following but just don't don't bother it's gonna it's gonna give you a, a bad reflection that you might you may never come come back it just it gives you those horrible vibes of when. Um, Adam Reamer went over there for his, <laughs> his first game. <laughs> that I was, was just thinking that. Cold, horrible Tuesday night, and it was a nil-nil draw. Didn't we meet up in Nick's place to watch it as well? And it was just horrible. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. brutal. Uh, the two so, of us were just like, "This is this is the worst." It, it's just got it's got every hallmark of that. They'll be bottom of the league or there or thereabouts, and like. He's really growing on me, and I've I've really enjoyed the season, but we've still shown absolutely no inclination of really playing up to those teams below us and mm-hmm. and dominating a team like like we 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 have. I know we've won against like Bournemouth and and stuff, but this this gives me just as much fear as a, a Tottenham turn up at Molyneux or a. A, a, a team like that, I've just got no no confidence. Ah, uh, being a Wolves fan, it's great. Yeah. Although I don't think it'll be nil nil because let's remember, Wolves have still scored in every game since the Salt. Yeah. <laughs> so, Danny, do you expect um, you know kind of the same lineup that we're going to see Saturday, or do you think? Well, obviously, Lamina and Gomez will be back from that, but. Do you view that as an opportunity for maybe some guys who haven't been getting good playing time? I mean, that's that's what's interesting to me. I mean, I think Paul was that said, you know, it, the Arsenal game is a good chance to see some of these players uh, like Tommy Doyle. And he could be a useful player in a game like Burnley at home where we might have to pick things apart a little bit more. So I don't know. I, I mean... I don't know if, if I were predicting it, I'd say we go right back to what's been working because that's usually what teams tend to do. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be terribly surprised either to see like Lamina come back in, but Doyle alongside him or something like that. So something a little bit different to try to help pick apart. It is a bit odd because I was looking back at our schedule. This is the first bottom half team that we're playing at home. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah I mean, we, we won against Bournemouth, but it was it was a way. Uh, played Luton away, played Fulham away. Now we played um, played Sheffield away. Uh, yeah, all of our home games have been all these top half teams, yeah. which is why our Everton schedule is so away. difficult. Yeah, yeah, Everton away. So, so might maybe I've I've done him a disservice. Then we just don't know. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll have to find out. I I'm yeah. fully I'm with you. I'm expecting us to turn in a nil nil, but but we just don't know yet. Alex, that maybe this seems like a good big sassy game. What do you think? I I could see that, uh, and I also think like for them to have any chance of being competitive against Arsenal, it's going to have to be a big Cunha game. Like he's going to have to put in a shift. So maybe it's an opportunity to rest him or bring him off the bench mm-hmm. in like the 60th minute or something like that, and actually start uh, Sasha. 
mm-hmm. who seems like he would be well suited to like a championship caliber uh defense you know just <laughs> get the ball launched and downfield to the big man um so per- perhaps we will uh we will see him uh, which would be um which would be nice i think um you know i i He's definitely, uh, as you get closer and closer to January, I want to see more of him because like the idea that Wolves are targeting another number nine, uh, I think it is needed. But at the same time, like where does that nine fit? And what does that mean for Sasha? Because he just end up being a player who never plays kind of like Fabio is now because you, you just can't take Cunha. Like this whole team is modeled after the way that Cunha plays mm-hmm. as a nine, even if he's not technically a nine, you know, like, yeah, that would be really hard to figure out. So at some point, you kind of have to like at some point, the guy's going to have to start and play like over 60 minutes. And if he can't do it, then you got to sign somebody. Yeah. So, um, yeah, could be I a good audition fair. on Tuesday. I think that's fair. All right. So let's talk predictions for this one. Uh, Danny, what do you think? Uh, I, you know, nil nil sounds appealing for, you know nostalgia reasons <laughs> uh, but i i will go uh i'll go with a one nil wolves win because what i would like even more than a win i feel like is getting a clean sheet i was gonna say clean sheets have been few and far between yeah we, we would not be the... taking guys to dinner lately <laughs> yeah no no dinners this this season alex uh I'm gonna say three one wolves, and I think we go down one one nil. Uh, Classic, which I don't think is the worst thing. Like I, I don't know if we're not gonna if we're just gonna have a comfortable loss against Arsenal, and we're not gonna feel so hard done by, then something has to piss us off and motivate us, and that could be an early Burnley goal Fair. and staring down the the threat of losing to them at home. So uh, that I think gets us r- rallying for for three goals after that. I like that. Paul? I'm going full on Christmas spirit now. You know, we'll be into December. I'll be wearing my Christmas socks. I might <laughs> take the afternoon off and have a glass of mulled wine. I'm I'm on that clean sheet bandwagon. Two nil wolves. Two nil wolves. Oh, man. I was going to say 1-1, one, one, but I don't want to be the asshole that doesn't pick them to win. Uh, so you know what? I will. I'll pour a glass of whiskey eggnog, Paul. I'll be joining you, and uh, I'm gonna say one nil wolves, but it ain't gonna be easy, and it'll be something stupid that they score on. No stupid questions is presented by Esfuerzo Wines, located just north of Santa Barbara, California. Esfuerzo Wines showcases passion and three generations of winemaking in every bottle. So whether you're celebrating a wolves victory or winding down after a day at work. Let Esfuerzo Wines transport you to the heart of California's wine country with every sip. For a limited time, head to EsfuerzoWines.com and use the promo code WOLVES for a 15% discount on your wine purchases. This message is intended for those of legal drinking age. Do not drink and drive. Excessive alcohol consumption may be harmful to your health. If you or someone you know is struggling with alcohol abuse, please seek help. Esfuerzo Wines reminds you to enjoy their products responsibly and in moderation. All right, guys, now we got the predictions out of the way. Do we have any no stupid questions this week, Alex? Yes, we do. No stupid questions uh, brought to you by Esfuerzo Wines, showcasing three generations of winemaking and every bottle. For a limited time, you can head to EsfuerzoWines.com. Use the promo code WOLVES and you'll receive a 15% discount on your order. Danny, I saw 
you uh were getting to some of that as far as I want Thanksgiving. Uh how did that work out? That seemed like a nice little uh, lineup of, of bottles that you had ready for the holiday. Yeah, I decided to get one of each of their uh what was it, Pinot Noir, Rose and uh Sauv Blanc, uh you know, something for everyone. They were all a big hit. Uh, I was I was very pleased and they came just in time on on Monday. Nice. Um all right. So we're going to get to uh one question. Obviously, a quick turnaround between the end of the game and, and this show. Uh, but it comes from Chris Fisher, frequent guest, good friend of our show, who tweeted in, as you can do, at uh, WLW Pod on X or Twitter. Uh, and he says, of all time horrible deaths to die in a movie, which one is worthy for VAR and which member of Wolves, Wolves should administer it? <laughs> so... um I love horror movies. I love these gory movies. So, you know, I had to do a little research when I saw this one. Obviously, speaking of Saw, you have to go and immediately you think the Saw franchise. There's several ways you can go, including in this last edition, Saw X, where the guy literally had his eyeballs sucked out because he didn't break his fingers in time, which was tremendous. And I think that would be very fitting for VAR. Um, to have their eyeballs sucked out. I- I'm probably going with the big one in Saw 3, the crucifixion of justice where the kid was, you know, strapped in and they just one by one, each appendage turned until it broke completely and turned because it was very long and dramatic until finally the head turned. Uh, so I'm going to say that. And I really think Gary O'Neill should be the one because it is hurting his reputation at a big club. Yeah. All right. <laughs> with that image in mind, uh, <laughs> Danny or Paul, do you have a uh, movie death, <laughs> an epic, horrible death? Uh, and yeah, who wolves would administer it? I, I wasn't able to come up with a, a a fitting pun for the Saw movie, like Josh said, and Jose Saw. There, there's something there, but I, I couldn't come up with it. I think. Um, I think a good one would be just just to have have these bastards be haunted by something constantly, like in the Babadook or something. I feel like you know, <laughs> like Sasha's Sasha's quite big. You know, maybe he can. He'd be Slenderman. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Maybe maybe that's the answer. Is uh, is Sasha's Slenderman? But just to hang out in the darkness of their houses and make them uneasy at all times. Sasa with the with the top hat like the Babadook. Yeah, it's not really a, a horrible death per se, but I definitely like someone like Mateus Cunha going in with a big machine gun like Scarface to Stotley Park and just going say hello to my little friend <laughs> and <laughs> getting them all down that way. Oh god, but you got to throw the E on this show this week, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah definitely uh big time um all right uh danny hit us with your uh no stupid question yeah this came up just uh while we were recording i, I saw a post on on twitter that that inspired this okay so uh if i were to get uh an advent calendar and instead of every day uh I would open up one of the little doors, need a chocolate every time there was a poor VAR decision against us. 
given that we have six games in December, how far do you think I'd get through that advent calendar? <laughs> That's good. Is it is it a regular 24 day, 24 yeah, yeah. advent calendar? Exactly. And it's for each VAR decision, not just each, each VAR decision, not not just a game that's that's changed by it, but each VAR decision. How how deep am I getting into there? <laughs> Hold on, let me look at the schedule here because I have to see how many big clubs we're playing. Uh, you know, Burnley, uh, Night Forest. Okay, West Ham. There'll definitely be some bullshit there. Oh, that Chelsea Christmas Eve one for sure. That's that's good for two. Brentford's good for something. Uh, I'm going to say probably it'll be done by the January 30th Manchester United game. I think you'll be like three away and then suddenly, boom, there you go. Yeah. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I think that you're going to get through them pretty quick. Like... (laughs) It could be the case of when, uh, when when I was little, I, I was a little on the tubby side. I used to have a fondness for the chocolate, so I'd used to go through all the days of mine, like eat all the chocolate and then try and discreetly <laughs> close the door so that my mum didn't see that I that I'd eaten them all. So <laughs> it could happen something like that. There's just a massive flood of them, like really early against Arsenal and Burnley and. Yeah. Do well, they have ad, do they have advent calendars, Paul? In, in oh yeah, England? yeah, yeah. We, well, I don't uh, know. I mean, you guys don't have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, so I feel like I have to question yeah, it. I feel like that's one of those things that we probably took from them. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I well, to to be honest, I when I first came over, I couldn't find a whole bunch, and and especially like of the chocolate variety, and then. When I started to, it's more like Kinder Surprise, and okay, it's like Kinder, yeah, that's from Europe, so that makes sense. So maybe we do lead in Advent calendars. I'm not sure. We, you definitely well, don't, you definitely don't do Christmas crackers. That's for sure. That you've true. got to, you got to go to Marshalls or uh, mm-hmm. TJ Maxx or a place of those. So. <laughs> Well, an alternative answer to this question, and I just thought of, is my friend for many years has gotten an advent calendar that has the little nips of uh, of uh, scotch and whiskey in it. So, uh, so, and you know, if we're looking for uh, merchandising opportunities, we got to think forward. You know, twelve months from now, come out with a whole lot of wolves branded advent calendar with uh, with whiskey in it, Ooh. but you only get to it every time there's a poor decision against us. Or there's an Espresso Wines version. Twenty four oh, yeah, bottles. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. I like so that. Yeah. Pull that one off. There's there's the first uh thing on the whole lot of wolf shop, Paul. better advent calendars with chocolate or advent chal- calendars with toys. Oh uh probably chocolate. But I in in if the booze one is an option, then that's that's the one I'm gonna go with. <laughs> that's the one Alex was. Yeah. Um we joke, but um if non-decisions also count as egregious VAR errors for them not reviewing it, like and we we would have got four in one hall today <laughs> in one match. And if we were doing the booze, like we all would have been drunk um, just from <laughs> one game. Afternoon on a Monday. Like, are uh, you kidding me? 
So uh, I think I think we would get pretty deep in that. Um, I'm going to say like five to six more are coming our way um, between now and uh, now and Christmas. That's what uh-huh. I think. Love it. Um, I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but it'll all even out, Danny. <laughs> yeah. At some point, okay. it will. We'll also have yeah. to win the league, basically, for it to even out. <laughs> um, thank you uh, for uh, to Chris and uh, Danny for your submission as well. Uh, no stupid questions. Um, you can also email us your no stupid questions in addition to tweeting at WLWPod. The email address for the show, hello at wholeloutofwolves.com. So reach us there, and uh, it's, it's one of our favorite parts of the show. So thanks for uh, thanks for chiming in. And it brings this week's episode to an end. So thanks, Danny, on the socials, Alex on the dials producing. We will be back a little later next week. We'll be reviewing what happens both on Saturday against Arsenal and then on Burnley on the Tuesday, ahead of previewing the following Saturday's fixture, which is a home game against Notts Forest. So in the meantime, let's just, oh, I don't even know what to say when it comes to VAR anymore, apart from up the mighty wolves. <laughs>